Hello and welcome to Journeys in Grace. My name is Eric Hubbard and I thank you for being with us as we continue on our journey in studying the Word of God. And today I'll give you a couple ways of reaching us. First, uh, through email at pastoreric523 at gmail.com. That's pastoreric523 at gmail.com. Or you can write us at Pastor Eric, Post Office Box 4473, Marietta, Georgia 30061. And today we're going to continue our study of Elijah, but we're going to take another step or step forward in this study of this um, mighty man of God. And again, as we study this man of God and study his work and his life, knowing that these the prophets and those who came before Christ, they were all speaking to him. You could see Christ in their lives. And I'm going to, I'm going to bring out some of those things today because there was always God was um, uh, using men and women of this day, and there were women prophets also, although we don't have books in the Old Testament that were authored by them, yet there were Deborah and others who spoke for the word of God, who spoke for God, rather, and spoke into the lives of people and who were had statue in Israel. And this was before the New Covenant, but it was in also in the Old Covenant. So today we're going to uh, continue on with Elijah, and our subject today is going to be uh, putting things in order. Now, I believe that God does move in order. I do believe that, uh, you know, many uh, stand against or despise anyone that when you talk about order in the church or discipline or correction because uh, they consider that bondage or legalistic. But I want to tell you, and, and we're going to correlate the two, how that not only did Elijah put things in order, but Jesus did the same. And I'll just jump over to the uh, New Testament. Remember when Jesus fed the 5,000, how uh, he's fit to 5,000 men, and many think that uh, uh, there were uh, at least uh, 10 to 12,000 more because there were women and children there as well. And if you go into any church and look around, uh, usually the women outnumber the men two to three to one. So, and I think it was no different in their day than it is our day. And so as we uh, consider that, knowing that what Jesus did when he fed them, the first thing he did was before... Uh, he fed them. He told his disciples to put them in order by fifties. He told them to, I want you to put them in order and have them first to sit down by fifties. And then the disciples got the bread and they fed them. So Jesus wanted order because as God moved among them, he was, he was just showing them, uh, uh, Jesus not only was a New Testament, he was the uh, beginning of the New Testament, but he had not passed. He had to die before the New Testament started. So in this phase of his life, Jesus was still walking. He was, fulfill he had, he was fulfilling the Old Testament. Uh, as the prophets, as Moses fed the people uh, for bread from heaven, so did Jesus took the bread from a little boy. Uh, the, the, the people, the children of Israel had angel food. But what does Jesus do? Jesus took the simple things of bread, two fish, five loaves, um, basically a little boy's lunch, and fed over 5,000 men, women, and children. And he did it first by setting things in order. So that's going to be our, uh, our subject today, or one of the things we're going to drive at today is putting things in order. So let's go now to uh, the study of the scriptures in 1 Kings 18. And we're going to read the first four verses as we set this up. And it reads, 1 Kings 10.1 And it came to pass, after the word of the Lord came to Elijah in the third year, saying, 
Go show yourself to Ahab and I will reign. And if we know anything about, uh, if you read the 17 chapters and things before, how that Israel had, had fallen into idolatry, they had fallen into disobedience in so many ways. I mean, some of the kings and, and people, they were worshiping other gods. They were had turned to marrying other nations, which God had told them not to do. They had forsaken the, the they had forsaken work of worship in the temples, in the temple of God. They had forsaken the assembling of themselves, and uh, they were, um, uh, one of the king, I think the name was Manasseh, he had went so far as to uh, copy the acts of the kings of his day, and they, uh, he would later on, this is after um, Ahab, how he had um, sacrificed his son to, the, to, uh, to pagan gods. So, although um, uh, Manasseh was a descendant of Ahab, the scripture says he did worse than Ahab. And if you read the life of Ahab, you'll see how he was just continued on in total disobedience. Why? Because they left God. They left the scripture. They no longer uh, kept the word of God before them. As God commanded, remember over in the book of uh, Joshua, how the Lord told uh, Joshua to keep this word before your eyes. Keep it before you. And that's what God is speaking to us today is to keep the word of God before us. Keep it in our hearts. Keep it in our mind. Let it be what we meditate on and think on rather than the latest news or the latest uh, things on, on, the, in the, in the, um, on the internet or the latest gossip. What's up in the air? What's happening? All right. So as we get into this word of God now, we see that this is what uh, the people, everybody was looking for Elijah. Because Elijah, before this famine came, Elijah had the boldness to speak to the king and says, it's not going to rain until I say so. Because Elijah had been given, given permission and been given the authority to speak the word of God to the king because of, this, of uh, disobedience and the uh, utter uh, chaos that the people were in. Because rather than getting in line, and what I mean by getting in line, I mean, aligning themselves with what God has spoken to them in that day. They chose to follow after other gods and what did not even consider that if we would do as Solomon said, he said, Lord, when Solomon built his temple, he said, Lord, if this people ever stray away from you, if there ever comes a time they find themselves in a strange land, Lord, if they would just turn to you toward your temple and pray, he prayed that you, he prayed that the father would hear them. And God honored that. But here the people of God were. They were in famine. They were, uh, they was in a time of drought. The, crop, the crops were died, dried up. You know, animals were dying. No water. You can't grow anything. You can't grow crops. You can't, you can't feed your livestock. As a matter of fact, people were, I would imagine that the economy was horrible in that time. But yet, there was no one that the people were looking to. Now, Elijah was doing the things of God, but God had pulled back. And Elijah was put into the wilderness. And we read in the last in 17th chapter how that Elijah had uh, went away and God was allowing a widow to feed him until the time was right. And know, beloved, that in our lives, and I'm going to tell you, God did not send the pandemic. I know many think that uh, God is punishing America. He's punishing the world. No, he's not. You know, sin and, and the disobedience of men and women and, and because we're in a fallen world. This is what brings about these things. But God is not punishing us because if God would punish any of us for the sins that we've done, 
the world would be a wasteland. But God, by his grace, has extended his hand toward us through Christ. His grace has been extended toward us. His love has been extended toward us. Uh, we all know the scripture. And it, it's a, it is uh, uh, the, the, the standard bearer for everything that we as believers must look for. We must look unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. We must look to Jesus who was given as a sacrifice for all of us. He was born to die. He was the gift. Jesus was the gift for you and I. So as I, you know, as I transpose Old Testament and New Testament and seek to show you Christ here, that's my whole purpose is to show you the grace of God, that God loves you. And even in this time, when we see that uh, God brought about judgment and know in our day, in our time, God had uh, God is not bringing judgment upon the world yet. There will come a time when the judgment of God is released and there will be no doubt about who's doing what in the earth. But praise be to God that he is so merciful. He is so kind. He is so loving. He is a, a kind and gentle God desiring, the Bible says, that all would come unto per uh, to repentance, that none would perish. None. God doesn't want anyone, anyone to uh, go to hell, to, to lose their soul because they didn't have a chance or an opportunity to hear. So here when we read again in uh, the first four verses, we hear how that Elijah now is telling um, Obed, and Obed, I'm sorry, Obed, Obadiah, he says in the third verse, Obadiah, he said, go tell your master that I am coming out. And here he's in the fourth verse, he says, for it was so that when, and, and, and Obadiah begins to say, he said, uh, tell in the fourth verse, he said, you know, we've been looking for you, for you all over. And you can read this in this 18th, in this 18th chapter. But now Obadiah is saying, people have been looking for you. There's a famine in the land. In the fourth verse, he said, I want you to tell you that if you send me out and send me out and uh, you're not found, he said, I'm going to lose my life. He said, he begins to plead with Elijah He's about not sending him to his uh, master, and then he can't, he, and then Elijah disappears and goes somewhere else. So this is what he says in the fourth verse. He says, For it was so when Jezebel cut out the prophets of God, that Obadiah took a hundred prophets and hid them by fifty in a cave, cave and fed them with bread and water. And Ahab said, Go into the land unto the fountain of waters, and preeventure you may find grass to save the horses and mules, that we may not lose all the beast. So they divide the land between the two, and Ahab went his way, and, Ob and Obadiah went another way. And this is when Elijah appears to Obadiah and tells him, I want you to go to your master. So let's, ref let's, let's go back over there again. It's been three years, it's raining. It rather has not rained. And now Elijah comes out in the midst of this famine to let Ahab know who reigns in the kingdom of men. And then it goes down in the third and fourth verse. It says that uh, that this man Obadiah was a servant of Ahab. And then it tells how that the things that he the good things he's done, how he's fed the prophets and how he's protected the men and men of God and how he fed them with bread and water. And now Ahab is looking for uh, for looking for Elijah because he wants that famine to stop. But in God's timing now, God knows that it's time is set. You see, God is setting things up so that 
the, 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 the Israel will see that God still lives, that God still rules in the kingdom of men, and that he is using his prophet, his man of God. And this is the same thing that God wants to do with all of us. He wants the world to know. He wants the world to see that I have righteous men and women of God. And I'm not just talking about preachers and, 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 and pastors and bishops and elders. I'm talking about just everyday men and women, uh, Jim and James and Mary and John and, 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 and Sarah, just, just simple people. That, and what I mean by simple is in your everyday life, God wants you to just allow him to use you. Allow him so that, as I've said before, that you will be the hands and fingers of God, that you are able to touch someone else, that you can just pray for people when they're hurting and say, can I, you know, you want to pray for about this? I'm a believer and I believe that Jesus is able to just, just change the situation for you. And not with a, a judgmental or a con, uh, condescending or a con, condemning way. The Bible said that Jesus said, I, he didn't come in to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. Because the world is already condemned and condemned means unfit for use. You know, when we were out in the, in the world, we were not fit to be used by God. But now, because we have, we have been born again, we have the spirit of God in us. We have the ability, which is the very Holy Spirit in us, to be used by God and to speak a word of life. People are going hither and yon. They're paying the... Uh, 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 the, 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 the palm reader, they're asking many of them uh, and so sorrowful for how they treated their parents. So they're paying those, uh, the scripture would call them, uh, I believe it's called necromancer. Well, they, are, they believe that these people can talk to the dead. But I want to tell you, if many of, our, uh, of the elders who were, uh, have died and went on, those who refuse to follow after God, they will tell you anything. They'll tell you to turn your life over to the Lord Receive Christ as your savior so you will not come to this weary, awful, tormenting place, which is called hell. But let's go on now. Let's, uh, I don't want to get sidetracked. I want to keep, keep it moving. So as we read this, we see that now Ahab is looking for Elijah because they want some relief. And down in the 14th verse, Elijah is talking now. He says, now go and tell thy Lord, behold, Elijah is here. And he, and, and he, this is Obadiah saying, he, if I tell him this, Elijah here, he shall slay me. And Elijah said, as the Lord liveth, behold whom I stand, I will surely show myself unto him today. So in other words, Elijah says, I'm coming to show you who God is. I'm coming to let the Lord use me to show Israel who he is. And this is what God is asking us to do, to allow him to move through us so that your neighbor, your mom, your, your husband, your wife, uh, the people on your job, uh, the people you meet in the grocery store, that you, when you just show love. Many times, you know, um, I could say that you sort of felt like, you know, that if I, you know, if you're not preaching, if you're not out teaching or whatever, that you're not doing the will of God. But you will have, you, can, you will have more effect on your family and friends than I will ever have because they don't know me. But when people see a changed life, and I'm not talking about a temporary change. I'm talking about a changed life to where you were fearful. Now you're bold. Where you were uh, uh, angry. Now you're at peace. Where you were so uh, uh, impatient and you were so out of sorts where you had you didn't you didn't have no future and no hope. 
You might have been a drug addict. You might have been an alcoholic. You might have been uh, just a dreary, um, a depressed person that now you have the joy of the Lord and they see it over an extended period of time. You know, you can take medicine and it'll change. You know, you can take drugs and it will change. It can change your mood or your attitude for a time until the uh, drug wears off. But there's something about the joy of the Lord. The Bible said the joy of the Lord is our strength. So this is what Ahab, this is what Elijah is going to do. He's going to show them. He's going to let Ahab see a man that's been used as is under the authority of God and speaking for God in the earth. So it says, um, Obadiah went to meet Ahab and told him, and Ahab went to meet Elijah. So now let's go on down. We, went to, we read through the 14th verse. I'm going to read on down. Let me get to the 19th verse. And uh, it says, Elijah and Ahab are talking. And this is what Ahab said to uh, Elijah. He said, uh, Art thou he that troubleth, troubleth Israel? Elijah said, I have not troubled Israel, but, but you and your father's how, in that you have forsaken the commandments of the Lord and you follow Balaam. Remember when we started out how that they had forsook God and all the things that God had given them, given them a land which they had not, given them houses they didn't, they didn't build. He gave them vineyards they didn't, they didn't plant. He gave them land that they didn't buy. He provided for them such as Christ has done for us today. God provided for you. He is the one that enabled you to wake up this morning in your right mind. He is the one that enabled you to pass those tests that gave you the, the mind and the mindset to uh, finish college or to get your, uh, uh, you to learn the trade or you to learn to get this, gather the skills. He is the one that gave us all of these things. And God is the same one that has the ability that tomorrow your life could be gone. And you could be just like a, a candle blown, snuffed out. But God, by his grace, has provided all of these things for us because he loves us. He loves us so. So now we're seeing uh, and the stage is being set up and we see now and we're going to go on now into the story how that uh, uh, we're going to go down to the 25th verse. And we're going to see now that of the of the what I call the contest. And this is what Elijah says. As he called, he's called all of Israel. If you read from 20 on down to 25, Elijah called all Israel together. He told them to get the children of Israel. He said, call the prophets of Baal. He said, call the prophets of the grove. And in all, there were about 850 men. If you add these two numbers together, you will see that they all were coming. And Elijah said, I'm going to show you that God is God in, this, in Israel. God is the God of Israel. He is the one, not the false gods. And this is what God wants to show the world today. No, God did not want to kill people. He, Jesus said, I've come that we might have life and you will have it more abundantly. But God also, but we also know that I'm going to read the, read the scripture in 1 Corinthians. I don't want to get ahead of myself, but I want to say this, that in the believer's life, we have power that the world does not have. We have authority. We have uh, the the. the, the the uh, angels of goodness and mercy following us all the days of our life. We have all these things, but we have to access it by faith. So let's go on now. And Elijah said to the prophets of Baal, call you, he said, choose you one bullet, dress it, and, for, and for, for you are many, and call the name of your gods and put no fire under it. So basically, if you read these scriptures here, 
Elijah told them how they they built their altar. They cut up the uh, sacrifice. They put water in the trench around it. And Elijah told them that he that answers by fire, let him be God. And so if you read from 25 to 28, you see all the preparations that they did. And they prayed and they cried. And it says in 28th verse, they cried aloud and cut themselves in all manner with knives and lances till the blood gushed out. And Elijah began to, uh, he began to, uh, he began to pick at him and said uh, to the people, he said, uh, let me, let me, let me find this. He said, uh, in the 27th verse, he says, come, it was about noonday now. They started out early in the morning. Elijah mocked them and said, come and cry. he said, cry aloud for, he said, you're a God. He is a God. Either he's talking, maybe, maybe he's busy. Maybe that's why God hadn't come. You're God, little G. Maybe he's uh, pursuing, maybe he's going to. Maybe he's on a far journey or eventually he sleeps and must be awakened. And they cried, it says, and cut themselves and the blood gushed out. But guess what? Their God didn't answer because he's not God. But I, I want to tell you that Satan is a deceiver. He deceived all these people to, to sacrificing themselves and, and sacrificing their children and sacrificing their lives. Because when you follow the enemy, you're giving up your eternity. You are giving up your eternity uh, because you, you're drunk with drugs and you're drunk with alcohol. You're drunk with, with, with all these things. You're drunk with pride. You're drunk with arrogance. You're drunk with uh, chasing after the world and you're chasing money and you don't have time for God. That's what uh, that's what Elijah was telling them, that you're, fo you're following a false God. He, that God will not fulfill you. For Jesus said, what would it profit a man to gain the whole world and lose his soul? Yeah, you may have statue, you may have degrees, you may have uh, a big house and a big car and plaques on the wall and, trophy and trophies in your trophy case and money in the bank and uh, uh, stocks and bonds and crypto coins and all those things. But what will it profit you when you stand before God and he asks you, what did you do with your life? When it comes to the kingdom, what will be your answer when the Lord says to you, OK, I gave you these talents so that you not only be a blessing to yourself, but you will be a blessing to the kingdom of God. What do you have to show me? And if there's silence and you have nothing. Then there's going to you, there's going to be a place that uh, I believe as um, in the book of Daniel, when uh Never took Nezah, well, with, with Belchazer. When, when the Lord told Belchazer, when he had uh, taken the instruments of God out of the temple, and he had drunk wine with them and, and basically uh, tried to shame God, the Bible says a hand came writing on the wall, and it says, you have been weighed in the balance and found wanting. But unlike Belchazer, we have a God that is, we are now in the days of grace. We are in a time of grace. Well, there's God said, I love you. I see you messing up. I know you're coming short. I know you've been doing these things that I told you not to do. But my hand is outstretched toward you. Jesus said, come. All you are laden and are heavy laden. And I'll give you rest. This is what Jesus wants to give us. This is what uh, we have that Elijah could not offer because the, the, the law and I know so many say again that I want to, you know, people live better when we was on the law and, you know, when the elders were here and they were preaching hellfire and brimstone. Okay, you preach that, 
But what did it profit? You f people were afraid for a time. They're afraid because they realized that they didn't know God. And because they didn't know God, and they, they yes, they heard the fear, but they didn't learn who God was. And when the elders died, they died because they didn't learn the love that God has for us. The unsearchable, unmeasurable, un abundant love that God has shed toward the, toward the people who love him. And because they didn't have foundation, when the floods came, when the wind blew, they fell over like a house of cards because they weren't established in the kingdom. And I'm talk not talking about people who were outside the church. I'm talking about people in the church. But these people, the Israelites, they were the church. They in there, they Israel, the nation of Israel was the church. But they forgot about how to follow God. But what did God do? He set them up because he loved them so very, very much. So we down. Let's go down to um, we go. Let's go down to uh, I, to First uh, King thirty, and it says, and Elijah said to the people, "Come near." Now here he's God. He, now God, he's seen the the the, the prophets couldn't the the, the the false prophets and the false gods. They couldn't they couldn't bring God's people. They couldn't. They, their God wouldn't speak. But Elijah said, "Come near," and all the people came. And what did Elijah do? He repaired the altar of God. I'm going to say that again. He repaired it because there were altars that were set up so that people would come forth and they would bow and worship before the only God, the only Lord of Lord and King of Kings. They were supposed to, their altars were supposed to be built up. But like so many, they've allowed their lives to be broken down and they don't have a relationship with God. And I'm not talking about uh, the church. I'm talking about people who are outside the church. The weakest saint in the New Testament church is stronger than the enemy. If you know Jesus and you have the spirit of God on the inside of you, that's why Jesus said the least in the kingdom. He talked about John the Baptist. He said, John, there, he said there was none greater than John the Baptist. But John the Baptist was under the old covenant. But he said the least in the kingdom, the least in the, of the New Testament saints is greater than he. Why? Because Christ, they, we live under this new covenant where Christ has died, the blood is covering us now, and we walk as kings and priests. We have God on the inside, and John the Baptist was filled with the Holy Ghost, but he lived under the Old Testament. But now Christ is in us, the hope of glory. The Lord of Lords and the King of Kings resides on the inside of us. He's a portion toward us. All power that was taken from Adam, he's a portion it to us. And now we have authority to walk in the power and the and the authority of God. And so here we is now as we we close this lesson out today. He says, Elijah told him in 30 verse told him to come near. And what did he do? He took the 12 stones according to the tribes of Israel. Now he's building the altar back. And then in the 32nd verse, he built the altar in the name of the Lord, made a trench of fire and 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 uh, and then he put water, he put the wood in order, cut up the sacrifice, laid the wood on it, filled four barrels of water, and then poured it on the sacrifice. Now think about it. If you're going to start a fire, you don't pour water on it. But he poured, because he, he was making a point that 
So nobody can say that, you know what, he had, uh, you know, he might have probably put some, had some oil under there. But he took four barrels of water and poured it on the sacrifice so there would be no doubt that it would be God that burnt up this uh, sacrifice and not man. And it says in the 35th verse, he says, he did this, uh, 34, he said he did, he did it one time, then he did it the second time, and then he did it a third time. And the water, he said, ran about the altar and filled up the trench. And then Elijah began to pray. And the Bible said, the fire from the Lord fell in verse number 38. And the people, all the people that were around him, I'm talking about the, uh, the, the church that was around when the fire fell. They said the people fell on their faces and said, the Lord, he is God. The Lord, he is God. And the setup was done. God made a setup. The people now recognize that this is God. Well, I want to tell you somebody else did this. Over in the book of Acts, Jesus too had been put on the altar. He too was uh, a sacrifice was uh, 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 he was, Jesus was put on the cross. You could say this was the the cross was the altar for him. He stretched his hands out and allowed them to kill him. When Pilate came to him and, and said, don't you know I have power to take your life? Jesus said, no man takes my life, but I lay it down. And that's what he did. He allowed them to drive the stakes in his hand. He allowed them to drive this nails through his feet. He, 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 he hung there on the cross. And when they drove that stake in his heart, threw his ribs into his heart, he gave up the ghost. Because if Jesus wouldn't have given it, up, given it up voluntarily, he would have stayed up there and not died. But because he did, in Acts 1 and 8, he too talked about a fire that was coming. He said, in the seventh verse, I'm going to go down, Acts 1 and 7, he said unto them, It is not for you to know the time or the season which the Father has put in his own power. But after this, you receive the power, after that the Holy Ghost is come upon you, and you shall be witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the earth. As Elijah sacrificed, Jesus was a sacrifice. As the fire came and burned up that sacrifice and the people praised God, so too is this of, of, uh, of, of Jesus being acceptable because what did he say when Mary Magdalene came and, he, and discovered that Jesus had risen? He rose up and she went to grab him. He said, don't touch me. Touch me not. For I have not yet risen. Because he had to take his blood. As the bullet's blood was, was shed upon the altar. So now Jesus had to present his altar blood before the father. And both men called down fire. In the Old Testament, Elijah did. In the New Testament, Jesus too said, fire is coming. But this fire is going to consume sin because when I give you this new spirit on the inside of you, it's going to be perfect and sinless. The sins will be burned up. And that's exactly what he did. And we're going to tie this together more as we continue on in Journeys in Grace. So as we close out today, Father, we thank you for all you've done for us. We thank you for the love and kindness. Most of all, we thank you for Jesus, for what he did for us, how he died for us, how he gave for us, 
For he took what we deserve and gave us what he deserved. He took death. He gave us life. And we are so honored, Lord, to be called children of the Most High. I pray for anyone who hear this broadcast is not saved. And you just repeat after me, Father, I stand before you now. I kneel before you now. In this place that I am, forgive me of my sins. Father, I believe that Jesus lived a sinless life. I believe he shed his blood on the cross for me. And now all my sins are washed away. I thank you, Lord, as I receive Christ as my Lord and my Savior. Oh, Lord, I give my life to you. Take it, Lord, and use me as you would. And I say unto you, welcome to the household of faith. Father, we thank you for all those who may be listening. We pray for those, Lord, that we hear so many of more mass shootings, Lord, as the rage of death has stained this earth, God, as now we see children being killed and uh, people in grocery stores and offices and army bases and all, not only in this country, but in other places, Lord. We pray for your grace and your mercy. We pray for those who've been affected by this shooting. Be the children on that campus, Lord, teachers, principals, mothers and dads, sisters and brothers of God, have mercy, Lord. Let your angels of mercy keep them. Let your angels of mercy, Lord, for those who are injured, we pray for their healing. For those family members who lost children or a son or a daughter or a husband or a wife or an uncle or a dad, we know, Lord, that you are the mender of broken hearts. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.